Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of December 8th, where we are coming off the uh, the big weekend at the Dome, the uh, Gateway, Castrol Gateway Dirt Nationals at the Dome at America Center. Plenty to discuss from that. I'm uh, DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined as always by the rest of the DOD editorial staff, Todd Turner, Robert Holman, and Kevin Kovac. Uh, Kevin and myself were at the Dome this past weekend. Uh, Kevin, did you make it home all right? No, no issues getting back to uh, uh, Pennsylvania? Yeah, it was it was very nice. Uh, there's been times when it takes a little longer to get that flight back uh, in the middle of December or late December. Some of those bad weather days. It's it's been I've had hairy uh, rides on in Uber cars, you know, just to get to the airport on the ice and the snow. So uh, having good weather all weekend was nice. It was as a, a Floridian who's heard uh, all the stories about uh, the cold weather that it can be in St. Louis and the cars sliding around on the ice, the, the race cars uh, sliding around on the ice, getting from the pits to the, the dome. I was uh, I was uh, I don't say disappointed, but surprised that it was actually uh, at, at least Thursday and Friday, like 70 degrees. Saturday was a little cooler, but, um, you know, I, I wasn't complaining. It was just a little surprising. But uh, uh Todd and Robert, uh, Todd, I'll ask you first, but you guys will have to fill us in a little bit on some of the drama that went down. We, unfortunately, Kevin and I couldn't hear very well inside the dome, at least in the infield. You couldn't hear the uh, uh, everything that was going on, the the interviews and everything. So I just, Todd, was there anything that dramatic that happened? I, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't think so, uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't always hear myself because of all the beeping, because I had mine on a seven second <laughs> delay, so I wouldn't hear any curse yeah. words. Uh, so, so sometimes there was a lot of beeping. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, that that is one thing about the dome. It, it um, the immediacy of those interviews certainly um, get uh, get some reaction from the drivers. And then Trent Berry, I guess y'all can't hear him also, but he's walking around interviewing folks. Uh, people, the fans uh, embrace their their chance to be on TV by saying or wearing or doing something crazy. Um, which is all part of the fun. It, it's part of the the dome atmosphere that's a little different than uh, than our regular outdoor races. Yeah, I would definitely say it is a different atmosphere, a different experience. Uh, is a um, uh, it's funny because they're having uh, I heard this while I was up there, but they're having WWE Royal Rumble up there at the dome next month, and um, and we we're talking about how this could be kind of a it's kind of a promotion for that, you know, kind of a, a preview, perhaps. <laughs> no, uh, I'm kidding. But uh, Robert, what about you? Did you uh, did you stay tuned to to the action at the dome? Uh, watch any of it there from on, on flow from home? Yes, I watched uh, watched every bit of it uh, here at the house, and it was it was quite entertaining as usual. You know, I think that uh, uh, maybe a few of those guys could have stayed in St. Louis an extra week and participated in the WWE um, <laughs> stuff. So I think that, you know, maybe they could have just stayed a, stayed a couple weeks and, and done both, you know, had a, had a two week stay at the dome. I think that'd have been great. And I, <laughs> no telling how many race fans would have turned in to watch that too. Yeah. It's a, probably a, a significant crossover there <laughs> on the, the, the fan side, but uh, um yeah, so I guess we'll dive into it and spend some time this uh, this week talking about the dome, reviewing it. Of course, Tyler Carpenter uh, gets the sweep and winning his prelim night. It was split field prelim night he, nights. He won Thursday and then uh, uh, led every lap to win the thirty thousand dollar finale on Saturday for the second straight time. Of course, uh, twenty twenty there was not a uh, 
the event did not happen in 2020 due to uh, COVID-19 restrictions, um, but he won it back in 2019. So it gives him two in a row. And not only that, but I believe four in a row if you're counting uh, his pre both prelims wins. So I would say it was a pretty impressive, uh, Kevin. I mean, just how impressive is that of a performance, uh, especially considering all the random um, stuff that's bound to happen at the Dome and, and how, you know, I mean, he was obviously good but and wasn't the toughest field, but you got to overcome a lot uh, to just survive four straight races there, um, much less win them, don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's there's a lot uh, a lot of things that could happen. I mean, even when you're trying not to get in, in, involved in things. I know, like just say Brandon Shepard on, on the, in the Thursday night feature, uh, when he was battling for the, you know, running third behind Tyler Carpenter and uh, and Ricky Thornton Jr. I know Shepard was like, I just I basically just want to be able to be finishing in the top four here so I can make myself uh, locked in for the feature on Saturday. And he backs off. Next thing you know, he's he's catching up to the top two. And, I you know, he was like, I don't really want to race this, but I'm the racer in you kind of wants to get the lead. And next thing you know, you're going for it. And, uh, it, and then he gets taken out in the in the scramble and lap traffic and so he was trying not to do get into that so it's hard it's hard to avoid uh, the mayhem i guess but what was so kind of really impressive i guess with tyler carpenter is i think he takes the right mindset into that race now where i know everybody you know he's like oh i'm not making any friends i'm not here to make friends but uh, that's really the way you got to do it there i mean if you're gonna be uh, you, you can't, I mean, there's give and take, you, you can't go run over somebody and you can't just knock them around and spin them around, but you also can't, you, you can't, uh, you can't give too much. You have to be willing to, you know, to trade a little paint if you have to. And, uh, and, and on Saturday, I mean, ban, man, that was like a, as, as uneventful, a, a run as you could have to get a win there that Tyler did starts on the, starts on the pole. And and never was really challenged, had a couple cautions come out just at the perfect time. So he didn't have to really deal with traffic like he did in the in the prelim feature on Thursday. And uh, and, and he wins a race. I mean, he had a flat tire and you know, the tire was going down. Probably wouldn't have made another lap uh, if he uh, if he had to, uh, you know, if he had, there was one more lap in that race. He's, his tire was basically on the rim when he's coming off a of turn four to take the checkered flag. Uh, but uh, the sign you have to have luck too, and he had his luck, and uh, man, it was just a, a perfect uh, kind of a of a weekend for for Tyler. Did everything right. I mean, and I remember we talked. I mentioned last week that he had a steel block modified motor in there from Mullins, uh, which is uh, you know that's it's not as as expensive and as as a you know a full blown aluminum open competition motor, but it was still one of the. He said it was one of the best motors. It was the best motor he's had all year, and that probably gave him a little confidence too, knowing that hey, I got something that's fresh and it's not going to be breaking like he has had a motor break so many times, like a dozen motor problems all year long. That's really kind of plagued him. Yeah, when everything's clicking and, and uh, you know, everything's going well for you, it makes you probably a little more confident behind the wheel. And that's, you know, having a motor you can, you're, you're confident in and, uh, you know, you can rely on definitely probably helps in that, too. Uh, to me, and, and you kind of mentioned this, Kevin, uh, that it was uh, a rather uneventful on Saturday. Um, and same Friday was rather uneventful other than Miles Moves getting a you know, kind of an upset prelim win there was a big deal for him. But um, as far as the racing, not not a whole lot of action, at least compared to Thursday. And I really feel like that's what decided. And I mentioned this to you right after the, as we were walking out from the infield there, Kevin, how the race was decided on Thursday whenever 
if, if you didn't see it when Tyler Carpenter was leading and uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. and Brandon Shepard were pressuring him in traffic three wide at times and lap cars mixed in there and um, and then they uh, uh, Carpenter got together the lap car and ended up he continued was able to continue on but it left Thornton and Shepard out of the race. Um, some reaction to that obviously uh, Thornton was not happy with it and he made it clear as we said in his interview um, with some you know spicy language if you will um, you know Carpenter kind of kind of brushed it off uh, using again some spicy language as well um, Todd just some reactions to that uh, that scenario there that situation uh, was it I mean is, is it was it just hard racing and uh, close confines or was that um, was there anything to that on the more the 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 dirty side the blame game type thing well probably dirty is a little strong but the carpenter was definitely using up as much of the racetrack as he could. And on that little track, it doesn't take a lot to use up a lot of the racetrack. And that's just, if you're racing among the leaders, you know, you throw in a couple of lap cars in there. Um, and, and I know those guys had criticisms about the way he was hand, you know, the way he was racing them and the way he's handling lap cars. And, um, uh, I think that's the thing that jumped out at me and immediately struck me. I'm like, eh, it would, you know, and it's hard to say it to somebody else, but if that was uh, Jonathan Davenport leading or, or Brandon Overton or some superstar of the sport, you know, maybe doing the same tactics uh, and maybe they wouldn't have, but uh, somebody like that, would they have taken the same, um, gotten the same uh, heat uh, from those guys? Uh, Cause I feel like Tyler Carpenter is a little, uh, a little fractious in that way. You know, he's a little polarizing. There's some people that, uh, you know, and, and part of it is maybe his his persona that he's created uh, about being kind of a low budget guy and all that stuff. But you feel like that there's a little bit of an edge from other drivers not being crazy about him. And so I think he's held a little higher standard when it comes to, you know, if he does something that's a little uh, a little questionable and that type thing. Um, and, and that particular wreck that took out Thornton and Shepard, I mean, it kind of looks certainly Carpenter put his car in a precarious position, but it's kind of Zadar that kind of makes the contact with Carpenter that kind of triggers the whole thing. And I don't think it's particularly his fault or anybody else's fault. Jamming three cars on the front stretch there is not, it's not going to be easy for anybody, but, uh, but anyway, it was, it was uh, certainly you're not going to do that kind of thing and have nobody say anything and say, Oh, that was good hard racing because it was, it was certainly more than that. Uh, but I think Carpenter maybe is is up for a little more uh, questioning from those drivers than other other drivers might be. Yeah, I think um, what I gathered from Thornton's response or in seeing some of his uh, even his interviews after he cooled down some is he was more frustrated with uh, Carpenter for the way he ran him before even the accident. I think I think that the when he got in the lap car he kind of blamed him for that too. But I agree with you that was that was really more just a tight spot. Um, but going back to the few laps before that, and really the entire time they had been battling, um, I, I, and I said this in fast talk, I felt like Carpenter drove as if, um, you know, Thornton and Shepard were not there. Like he was not concerned about whether he chopped them off, whether he got into them a little bit, he didn't do anything intentional to wreck them or try to put them in the fence or anything. He just didn't cut them any, give them any room or any slack, cut them any slack. And I mean, to me, you know, and I know, again, any driver, the driver in Thornton's and Shepard's situation probably aren't going to be happy with it. But to me that, you know, if you drive that way, that's fine. But you're just probably going to be driven that way by someone else in the future. And so and I think 
Carpenter would, you know, and I think he did say something along these lines is he's probably, if those guys are around him somewhere down the line, who knows when that may be, you know, they probably will drive him the same way. And if it ends up with him getting put in the fence, you know, because they squeeze him or, you know, pinned into a lap car or something, you know, he's just going to have to kind of accept it, you know, because that's, that's kind of the way he ran, but that's, you know, that's given, like you said, the give and take, and he didn't do much giving. And so somewhere down along the line, they'll probably, uh, you know, do more taking and less giving when they have the chance to as well. So anyway, um, it was definitely some drama. What did you, did you think, Robert? Did you have a perspective on that, that incident there, how things went for the, uh, and how things went for the weekend with Carpenter? Well, you know, I agree with what you, what you're saying, uh, about the way he was driving them prior to the accident, because there were several times when, you know, he almost put Ricky Thornton Jr. into the fence and Thornton had to lift, you know, and I'm wondering if, you know, hindsight's 2020, of course, but I'm wondering if, if now, if Thornton would have lifted, you know, when, when, um, Tyler came up across his nose on the, you know, on the backstretch there a couple times. I wonder now if Thornton looking back would have, would lift, you know, I, I, I doubt it. Um, I hope not actually, because again, I agree if you're going to get driven that way, that then, then you have to, then that's the way you, if somebody drives you that way, that is what you return to them. And some people, I'm not going to say I'm not going to go all the way out in the left field and say somebody needs to teach Tyler Carpenter a, a lesson because let's face it it was a a big race on a big stage and a lot of money and he was doing what he could you know to he's doing what he could to to win the race and to set himself up you know for Saturday not only was he trying to win you know $5000 in that particular race but he's trying to make sure he's he stays in that top 4 for Saturday's deal as well so i'm not going to say that somebody needs to teach him a lesson but when somebody's driving you that way i see no reason why the next time around you cut them any slack either either the next race or the next lap um you know i've um you know i i kind of grew up with i just it reminds me of a it reminds me of and i'm i would go out and a different direction here it reminds me of a race that my stepdad was running one time locally here and a guy kept chopping him off and kept chopping him off and kept chopping him off okay and finally on the last lap rather than backing out of it he my stepdad just didn't didn't back out he picked him up turned him around you know and went on and won the race left him sitting in the infield and I remember that this guy comes after the race, he is fuming. He's coming to the, he's coming over there and he, and he, he races over, runs over to our pit area. And he's like, you know, gray, gray, you know, what are you doing, man? What, what was that? And it was the most, most calming effect. My stepdad says, Hey, Tommy, don't worry about it, man. I'm not mad at you. And it just kind of diffused everything because, you know, <laughs> You know, it, you know, and that's kind of the way it is. That this guy was driving him this way, and he got dumped on the last lap. It is what it is, and uh, and so you know, it kind of reminds me of that deal. That that I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, should Thornton probably wouldn't lift next time around. Uh, so I really feel like I agree with you, you know, Joshua, that that they were more upset about the way he was racing them 
with no regard before they got to the lap traffic. Because I've said it myself, when you're racing in lap traffic and you see a hole and you've got you've got Brandon Shepard chasing you and you've got Ricky Thornton Jr. chasing you and you're trying to win a race and you and you're on that little racetrack and you're in lap traffic and you see a hole, you've got to try to get through there. I mean, what did they in lap traffic, what did they expect him to do? Just sit there and run right around the bottom and get passed by everybody on the outside? You got to go when you see an opportunity. And in the lap traffic, I think he see saw an opportunity and took it. And I agree with Todd in that I looked back at that wreck in lap traffic and I'm not so sure if, if Zadar wasn't, you know, yes, Carpenter put his car there, but Zadar was already kind of hung out and coming back down the track and hit him. So I don't, I don't believe that that was a hundred percent Tyler Carpenter's fault on that, that wreck in lap traffic. You know, that's, that's what I saw from multiple replays that we got to take advantage of here, here at home. Yeah, I think, um, I agree with, with pretty much everything you said. And that's an interesting, uh, approach next time. Um, I'll, I'll tell my brothers the next time they're in a, uh, you know, situation with another driver, they can just kind of, you know, uh, what's the word, um, sub, subliminally put the, the blame back on that driver or, um, can't, uh, passive aggressively put the, the blame back on the other driver. I like that. But, uh, I think one thing also you're, you're talking about, um, and Todd, you kind of, kind of mentioned this or hinted at this, but um, with Thornton and Shepard, you know, if that was a national touring driver or someone else, you know, more of a superstar, they, they see it a little differently. Um, but I think they would expect someone, at least the way they approached it, to drive a little differently because perhaps um, they don't see, they did not see that race as, as big a deal, as big a stage as a guy like Carpenter. You know, that's a 5,000 to win prelim race that ultimately did not matter where they finished as long as they were in the top four. They were all going to lock in and redraw. They they were all in the show as long as they finished there. Winning it was just uh, you know the extra money, but also an added you know added bonus. So I I think that was and that was what they both said afterwards. Shepard and 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 Thornton is that hey we're in the show why are we racing like that? So my question is like it, you know for a guy like Carpenter how big is this stage? And and there's other guys like you see a Miles Moose when um you know you know when like he did and and the other guys that go out there and i think some of the illinois guys that you know maybe a little more connected to it because it's you know close to to their home there and, you know how big of a stage is this how big of a win is that for carpenter when we're comparing it to other you know uh, accomplishments and what is it that makes it so big and todd I'll, I'll start with you on that one well i think that does make a difference i mean you hear, you hear national touring guys during the season you know talk about a prelim or something and they're they're fully cognizant you know of what what racing hard or what wrecking in a certain race might mean uh for carpenter this is you know obviously he loves that place he's he's won there now four times i mean um you know he he's letting it all hang out i mean there's no uh i don't think there's any oh it's just a prelim and i finished third that'll be great i mean i think he's out there to win and i know everybody kind of wants to win in a way um but yeah, those I think those national touring guys have more of that mindset about that overall, about uh, being aware of that. Uh, and you'll hear about it throughout the season in a heat race or on the first lap of a race or something like that of a long race. They'll be like, "Listen, we got to you know you got to be around at the end. There's no reason to drive in here like a crazed maniac on the first lap." And, and I think those drivers who see that big picture a little bit more, they're much more. Uh, 
um, and probably less patient uh, with with drivers that aren't uh, aren't driving like that. Yeah, definitely. I uh, feel like there's different, just different perspectives there. I would say, so to speak. Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, let's I think probably a lot of we talked a lot about Carpenter and the whole deal there on Thursday. What are some other storylines that that stood out and uh, from the weekend uh, we feel like were, is worth mentioning? Kevin, I'll start with you. What's the, another storyline that stood out? Well, and this isn't actually a storyline from the competition. I just I have to mention the interview of the weekend was some up in the suites when Trenton. Uh, Barry was up there with uh, Don O'Neill. That was no doubt 100% the interview of the weekend. Don, I mean, he, people could see it. They they could see the interview now, like on, uh, it, it's on Twitter. I know Derek Kessinger has, uh, has sent a little clip of it out, you know, where Don just, he might've had a few drinks in him. You know, he was talking about having, you know, having fun doing some day drinking and stuff and enjoying himself at the, at the dome. And he told him about, he, he wanted to let the fans know this, the dome is nothing like it. And I love the way he just said, it's like racing in the winter. <laughs> it's like, all right, Don, it's a good one. That's very dramatic. Maybe got, maybe got a new slogan for the, for the uh, gateway dirt nationals now that can be used and have Don O'Neill, will be the guy and all the commercials for that, you know, just uh, the excitement of that race. But he also said, he also mentioned that next year, his son Hudson is going to be at the dome. Uh, apparently Don's even going to buy the car. You know, if, if he doesn't have a ride, if his owner doesn't want to go, then Don will have a race car apparently for Hudson. Cause he really, really loves the dome. So I just figured I'd just throw that out there. But uh, otherwise, I mean, some other storylines with what, I mean, one thing that I thought, you know, you, when you were just talking here about like how much it does mean to Tata Carpenter to win the, the dome where he, 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 he knows he has his chances are infinitesimal probably to go to Eldora and win unless he gets some great motor program and, and really gets up, steps up things. Uh, there, there's no way he can win at Eldora or any of these other big races really anywhere in the country, except, for this, this is probably one of the highest attended races for fans in the whole country. And uh, that's going to, but it's only on a track that's the size of Macon and uh, in Belleville, uh, you know, the Belclaire Speedway in Illinois, uh, which makes it the weird situation where a guy, anybody really can win this if, if they have, I mean, not, let's not say anybody. I mean, every car in that field was not going to win that race. And that was pretty obvious. If you watched that six heat race on Friday night and guys running over each other, those guys were not going to win, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, that's just the bottom line, but it opens it up to a lot more people to have a chance to win, to go into that race thinking they have a chance to win. And Tyler Carpenter doesn't want to let his chance go. So but then I look at like a guy like a Jonathan Davenport who just won the world 100 this year. And it was almost like Jonathan Davenport was just kind of out there, you know, he kind of might've just run the race to, for his sponsors because they like to come to it or what. I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, it's a big event. So the sponsors need some, want the, you know, the, the, uh, the exposure because Jonathan just was, I mean, he, not that he didn't try. I mean, he definitely was trying to do something, but uh, he even mentioned that he was kind of bored in the prelim night because he just was kind of putting around. He couldn't really get to the outside and make any moves, and he just was out there. So uh, I, I think you have that little situation. But he, but he's not. It's not like he was at Eldora and would be. I mean, he'd be leaving Eldora pissed off if he had ran run like that. He would be very, very angry. 
and that he wasn't really in contention, never got himself up in there for the lead. Uh, but he could accept it probably more than Tyler Carpenter, who really wants to win that race. And 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 one other little mention too. Also, how about Scott Bloomquist weekend? I mean, woof, man, that was a rough one. It ends up, it's he wins a heat race, then ends up driving into the, you know, he clips that inside wall and in turn three on the start of the uh, preliminary feature, crushes the front end. He's down out of that. And then he doesn't make the feature because he was he spun and ended up hitting the wall later in his uh, last chance race on Saturday. Ends up being end up I mean unless someone could create a race here uh, for him to go run before the end of the year, end of the calendar year, uh, it's going to be his first year. He's never won a feature, which is crazy to think about. Like a guy uh, that's been racing so long and and this and he, and he never reached victory lane all year and. Uh, and he he had a side. He was in position to at least get that that uh, preliminary feature. He had a good start, but just clipped that inside wall, and it's kind of how his season has gone. Yeah, that was a um, wild situation there with Blinkwist. Like he just not something you expect to see. It, and I mean, he said, you know, I know he said Carpenter came down a little bit. Maybe he did, but it really looked like he kind of misjudged the corner and just hit the wall. <laughs> I mean, it's uh. Like you said, it's just kind of an unfortunate end to the season for him. And then the way the B-Main went uh, there on Saturday wasn't much better for him uh, when he clearly had a a pretty fast race car and could have uh, perhaps been a contender. Uh, Robert, what about you? What are some other storylines that you you noticed from the weekend that we haven't hit on yet? Did did Kevin talk about Scott Blomquist? Yes, (laughs) I believe he mentioned that. Okay, Okay. Did did Kevin talk about... Um, um, he took a lot of them, uh, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I was going to talk about Bloomquist, but I feel like it's been covered. Uh, now, one thing, one thing, honestly, that I, that I mentioned in um, uh, our fast talk was that uh, there are now four guys, I think, that have started every one of those races. I think uh, Pierce and Shepard and Bab and one guy one more guy help me out help me out kevin who's the other who's the fourth one uh your stat you brought up you got to know your own stat if you're yeah, gonna bring it up well, i was prepared <laughs> to talk about scott bloomquist when you shifted to me and kevin over there just like running the gamut of everything that Took happened every story at the dome. There was. i mean i can't i can't hey, help i'll that. uh but I'll I'll get I'll I'll throw you a bone here and mention Bam, one. Gundaker, Pierce, Gundaker, yes, that's Gun Gundaker. I can't can't Chad leave Zobris out was Gordy until this year. Sure. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, Chad Zobris was the. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate you. Uh. But yeah, those four guys uh, are still. You know, it's amazing to me, honestly, that that you have four guys that have started every one of these races. That you know when things could go so haywire and when the first one drew like 198 cars or something like that. And there's so many race cars and so many guys there and that you have four who are still in, have made it to every single feature and think about we've had multiple formats. It hasn't been the same format every year out there at that place. We've had, you know, the CD, the D, the, I think the first year, they they ran the alphabet starting with D, uh, and then because um, I just remember we were out there and we're pr- proud that we weren't in the D. We were actually you know started up front in a C, 
or mid mid range of a C, you know? And so I was like, so, but then there's the formats have changed and but you still have four guys. Uh, and I feel like, you know, Bloomquist was, uh, Bloomquist had a chance there. Uh, and just, man, just kind of blew it really. Uh, Bloomquist had a chance there to get, to just get in there as well. But, uh, but those, those four guys to me have been pretty amazing. And if you look at them, uh, those are those are some short track midwestern type guys who you know kind of thrive on those little tracks you know in illinois and i think gordy would tell you that he's not from illinois but he's you know been adopted by by the state over there like he said so those guys have really thrived in that atmosphere uh at the dome for sure so uh that's just one thing you know one thing that i noticed and um I don't want to take anybody else's thing that they noticed, but <laughs> speaking speaking of Gundaker, what about um, what about the side bet with Gundaker and uh, and Carpenter? I saw a Facebook post. If many people, I'm sure, have seen it by now, of of uh, Gundaker actually paying up that thousand dollar bet. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not, but there was a there's a little video going out around out there that uh, where they're shaking hands and giving a little hug with each other and kind of still beefing, still talking a little bit of trash a little bit, but, uh, but Gundaker paid up his thousand dollars and, and, uh, I'm not so sure they might've gone, you know, not double or nothing, but they might've laid it on, on, on there again for next year. So we'll have to see how that works out. Yeah, that definitely, uh, spiced up the weekend a little bit. Uh, for those who missed it, Tyler Carpenter and, and Gundaker there had a, um, a side bet, whoever finished ahead of the other one in finale had to uh, pay the other one thousand dollars and they kind of did some trash talking throughout the weekend. Uh, it was good to see them kind of shake hands and, um, you know, settle it, settle up and everything. What you got on that one, Kevin? Yeah, well, I was there when Gordy came over because there was a big crowd. I mean, it was dozens of people around, around uh, around Carpenter after that race in the pits. And then and mm-hmm. Gordy comes in, sneak, sne- you know, so he was a snake his way in there to, to talk to, uh, uh, to Tyler and give him the money. I mean, I, I, I was in the background. I mean, I was, I was like far, like outside the circle, but it was just kind of funny. I just remember everybody putting their, all these phones are all the way up in the air. Everybody's trying to get like a video or at least take a picture uh, of Gordy and Tyler. But I just looked at him in the crowd, like everybody had their phone up in the air. It was almost like a concert with everybody uh, putting their lights on, on their phone or something, you know, for a minute. Uh, I thought that was uh, pretty neat. A lot of paparazzi was around that, at that moment. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I was actually, I walked by that. I don't know if it was whenever uh, Gordy came over there, but I walked by and there was a huge crowd around Carpenter's uh, pit area. And <laughs> when I walked by, they were actually raffling off uh, door panels and, and, and quarter uh, <laughs> door panels and everything from his car <laughs> to the fans. I would like so to know how many cool. panels, if he had any door, any, any body yeah. panels left when he <laughs> home, because people were buying every single thing off of that car. I mean, it was just like, they're like, man, how about, how about that little piece over there off the spoiler or something? You know, I mean, they, yeah. he wasn't going to have much uh, left. He was going to be going, going home with the bare frame, I think by, uh, by the end of that. But, and somebody paid it was three hundred dollars for a door, and that was actually not that bad. I mean, I remember somebody was over in uh, uh, I think somebody the the guy who bought it come by Gordy Gundecker's uh 
the trailer while I was staying and Gordy said, Hey, how much you pay for You got a good one there. You got the winner's door. How much you pay for that? Guy's like $300. And Gordy was like, man, that's a good deal. I think that's a, that's yeah. a pretty good deal. Everybody else, he should have, he should have gotten more out of that, you know? <laughs> so, but, uh, but there was, a, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of doors actually. I mean, a lot of body parts. I mean, that's like the piece of place where everybody could clear out their, sell all their body parts that they run all weekend because there was a lot of fans walking around with uh, pieces of race cars at the end of that night. Yes, yeah, the end of the year and everything. Time just to get rid of some some stuff, make a little little money, and give a fan a, a memento there. Um, one thing I was going to say, as far as storylines, I was uh, kind of started to say there uh, before uh, Todd came in with the stat about those who made the show is uh, Nick Hoffman. Um, he competed in all three divisions. The uh, midgets ran full field, ran both nights, so uh, two features there, prelim features there, Thursday and Friday, and then the finale Saturday. He ran his modified. Uh, and midget again uh, Thursday, his late model and midget on um, Friday, and then all three on Saturday. You can do the math and however many races that is, um, uh, that total he he ran, but he did not finish off the podium. He was top three in every every time he was on the track, uh, both in features, heat races. Um, you know, pretty I'd say a stellar weekend, impressive uh, to be able to do that in three different type cars. Um, and just I, I I think it was impressive just to be able to survive all three without really having anything torn up. Although he did hurt a motor, which was another whole nother storyline, his crew changing his late model motor um, between from qualifying to his heat race on Friday, I believe. Uh, but then not only to survive all three of those shows without much issue, but also being a, you know, a contender in all three and, and uh, on the podium all weekend, I would say was, uh, was pretty impressive. And did, uh, did you guys happen to see the midget race, the, the finale? The finish of that one that was a that was a pretty good race. I know we're a late model show, but I would say that was a uh, dramatic and, uh, imp- and and exciting uh, finish there on Saturday after the late model show. Uh, anything else from the dome? Feel like we need to hit on before we uh, before we move on. Anybody? Anything else we didn't cover? We all good there? Cool. I would just say it was a pretty all good right. crowding. You know, I, I think it looked like it was the uh, a, a full house there for that. Uh, I mean, not a full house in the dome. I mean, that's going to be <laughs> sixty thousand people. But uh, the the lower bowl, which uh, uh, you know is is basically where the fans sit, uh, they don't really open up that those upper decks, and and it was full. It was it was pretty full. There wasn't many. I didn't see many spaces in there, and I saw Cody Summer outside the the. Uh, hotel on, on the morning on, on Sunday morning and, and he indicated it was the, probably their best crowd for it uh, at least for Saturday I don't know you know Thursday Friday I don't know how that compared but at least Saturday's finale was a uh, was a pretty good turnout yeah I was uh, I was impressed by it um, the, the Thursday and Friday I mean that place is so big it's uh, when it's not full and there's not a lot of people there like Thursday and even Friday a little bit it, it looks empty but you know there's literally thousands of people in there uh, and then by Saturday when you know Saturday rolled around and you know you go in there for driver intros uh, and before they turn off lights you look okay there's a lot of people here that was impressive speaking of driver intros did uh, I, I, I'm glad I brought that up any uh, any jump out to you Kevin I know we were there in person any uh, of the intros jump out to you specifically as worth mentioning. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention to you. I'm like, man, we can't, we got to throw out, at least talk a little bit about the intros. I mean, that was, uh, the good, the good one, uh, was with the, the basically a skit there with the Bobby Pierce intro was, and, and which I think that the fans in the stands didn't actually, it should have gotten more reaction than it did. 
from the from the people there, but it was a little dark and, and it was it took it was actually a skit there, so they kind of had to develop it. And I don't think the, the it was kind of dark for everyone to see up on the big screen. But they came out with the Scooby Doo theme. You know, his uh, girlfriend had a had a Scooby Doo costume. You know, one one of the characters, and they had three characters, I think. You know, and and they had a villain. It said, well, "Who's the villain?" And then they had a guy walk out with a villain costume, and they and Bobby ripped the mask off, and it was. It was Scott Bloomquist. I mean, I thought that would, I mean, that should have gotten the crowd been like, oh my God, Scott Bloomquist was dressed up and doing some acting. Uh, but it was, again, it was hard to see. I did ask Bobby afterwards about, you know, how did, you know, how'd you get Bobby, uh, how'd you get Scott to, to be the villain? And he said that, that Scott actually came up to him when he asked him to do it. Uh, uh, Scott said, well, I got to wear a mask. Is it a cool mask? Is, is the mask cool? I mean, that was the first thing he asked about it. And Bobby said, well, here it is. I mean, is this cool enough for you? And Scott said, oh, yeah, it is. I guess we'll do it. Then Scott also contributed to this by saying, well, I got a jacket that'll work perfect for this, apparently. And he goes back. And apparently it's some jacket, Bobby said, that Scott got. I don't know if he bought it in China or from China. Some I don't know what the whole backstory is on this jacket. But it was some sort of special jacket that Scott had, and it kind of fit the costume good. And uh, and I don't, maybe I think Scott might be getting a you know he should get an Academy Award now for his acting. Uh, he did, he didn't make the race, but he did some good acting. I mean, he even had like a little move with his foot there when he kind of like laughed about like getting the the mask taken off. It was that that was my favorite. I think it was a lot of everybody's favorite too. I've seen some I've seen some replays of it also. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely my favorite intro, and and I will say Scott Blomquist is uh, becoming a great actor, and also he's got a great great fashion sense uh, with his his famous uh, <laughs> yeah. pants he's been wearing around the track and oh, yes. in different places. If if you hadn't noticed that, then keep an eye out for him at a race next year. Um, he, they're they're interesting to say the least. Uh, did you guys uh, catch the uh, the intros there? Were you able to? I, I agree with Kevin. It was like the people in the stands really didn't know what had happened, but as soon as we saw like put it all together and realize that Scott Blomquist, like we, Kevin and I were standing right there. We just started laughing. Like it was hilarious. Um, The whole, this is the concept of it. Uh, You know, were you guys watching it? Did you, did you catch that Todd? I'll start with you there. Yeah. I think Robert mentioned before it's a little, it was a little darker the spotlights, the going from light to dark, it's kind of hard to tell, but I did see a replay of the Blomquist one where it was much more apparent. It was, it was funny. I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't quite hit me the first time when I saw it, but I love, I love when he, when he pulled, they pulled the mask off there. It, it, that was good stuff. Robert, what did you think? I, I agree that, you know, I saw it at first and, and it, and it was kind of dark and, I, and that was one of, one of my complaints actually is I wish they would, do something with the lighting to make things like that a little a little better for people who are watching at home. But I did notice that it was Scott at, at you know from the first time and when they first when he pulled the mask off, it was like that's that's Bloomquist. And, and you know, it was a pretty tall, tall character coming out there. And you know, and I'm like, you know, is, is that Scott Bloomquist? And then they ripped the mask off and sure enough it was. And and so it was like one of that one of those one of those moments you're like you know that's that's great but i agree with the what they said about it not getting quite the reaction live and i feel like it's because when you're watching it on that screen because they're seeing the same things we're seeing at home 
you kind of takes a minute for it to register and, and you're like, wait, that was Scott Bloomquist. And it kind of took a minute for it to develop. But, but yeah, that was by far, that was my favorite one for sure. And, uh, I, I enjoyed that. And, and to get, anytime you get Scott involved with something like that, it's, it's usually, it usually works. Yeah, it's, it's cool to see that he's uh, such a good sport about it, especially, you know, when he had had a kind of a, a, a down weekend uh, to be uh, willing to be a good sport, be a part of that and make us make us all laugh. I think everyone who's seen that um, found that funny. And it kind of completes the uh, the whole Scooby-Doo theme that Pierce has had since the, the world that I really wasn't a big fan of. It makes me more of a fan of it now that they were able to put all that together. But uh, and if you haven't seen that, it, there is a, a replay from a camera down closer where you can see it better. That is actually on the Flow Racing Facebook page. That's worth checking out. So uh, I think that'll uh, kind of wrap it up for our, our dome talk this week. But I did want to, before we head in uh, kind of toward the end of the episode here, I want to mention uh, the PRI show, the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show uh, this, this weekend coming up. We'll, of course, have some uh some coverage of that uh, as we always do and i was wondering uh just kind of one thing you guys maybe are looking forward to come out of pri or some things we should expect and uh, maybe some past stories of uh you know your pri experiences you had uh anything worth uh, mentioning real quick about pri as we look forward to it this weekend uh todd i'll start with you uh, it seems like this year you know we've gotten to where the national tours announced their schedules earlier and uh, and maybe the driver moving around news has been the pretty quiet this year overall and and i don't know who knows something might pop up but uh that's the kind of stuff you used to really go in for now now i think when we walk around a lot of times what what we do uh you know we have video guys going and reporting on people and then i don't know you just kind of try to find people so i kind of look for the kind of the second tier drivers that maybe you know the news might not be out that they're doing something different, or if they're going to run a different series or something. I I remember particularly a couple of years ago, I, I was talking to Donald McIntosh when he was, uh, I guess this when he was back with his own team. He was switching to Buick engine and doing all this. And I was a little bit like, what? I'm, I was a little bit taken aback. Sometimes at PRI, you run into people and you hear news, and you're like. Have we reported on this or is this a thing that we know? <laughs> because, you know, kind of out of context of the racetrack and everything and everybody's wearing regular clothes uh, and all that stuff, you kind of sometimes it's a little bit hard to, like, uh, digest what what you're hearing. It's like, oh, do we know this guy's running this series or or do we know he switched to this chassis or whatever it is? So so it, it is interesting. And, and again, I try to find that. Uh, um, yeah, that second tier driver, we can maybe find a little more news about. But uh, um, overall, not a huge fan of the trade show. I mean, uh, and, and I noticed and when we talked about it in Fast Talk this week, some some people mentioned about it. In this day and age, with all the ways we can communicate and all the ways people can find out about products and everything, is it a little bit past its, you know, past its due date? I mean, Maybe so. I don't know. We'll we'll see this one because uh, after a year off because of the pandemic, um, if if there's every year that there will be a little bit, it'll a little bit be a little bit down, uh, partly because of COVID and partly because maybe people didn't miss it that shoot last year and it may not come back. It'll be interesting to see, and we'll we'll report on that for sure. The the number of booths and number of people that are there and. Uh, uh, if it seems the same or if it seems like it's uh, maybe lost a little bit of its luster. Yeah, definitely. Not only is it because of the technology improvements and everything going on, making it maybe where the show's not as, as meaningful, but also the fact that they that the off season is so short. It's a whole weekend that drivers and teams are losing if they go, you know, and, and go to PRI. Um, 
might might be a little make it a little more difficult to make that trip. Uh, speaking of making the trip, Robert, I believe you're going again this year. Any anything specific you're looking forward to, or news you're looking to track down, or products as a as a car owner you're looking to check out? You know, I, I really like walking the floor just for an hour or so as a car owner, as as a fan slash car owner, just to kind of check out new products and stuff. And and it gives you a chance sometimes to to get to uh, if you see something, you might not know exactly how something works or how something performs or where you're supposed to bolt this or that. So I, I enjoy seeing seeing that kind of stuff. Um most of that stuff that that is developed and is new, uh, I can't really afford anyway. But there are, you know, a lot of times you will you'll see uh, smaller products of people that have all these displays and they don't really want to have to box them back up. And so they sometimes offer discounts uh, for brackets and braces and this sort of stuff. If you want to maybe uh, purchase purchase it right there on the floor so they don't have to take it back home with them. Uh, I've ran across that before. Uh, I am, uh, I'm looking forward this year as a car owner to, to hopefully, uh, picking up a, uh, a quarter panel, one of those, um, composite quarter panels for my right side from, I think it's called stacked products. Uh, I think they're going to, going to drop me off one and, and I can take that back home with me. So, so those are kind of the things personally I'm looking forward to. Uh, also the fact that, you know, and this is personal slash work related, uh, about six months ago, I got glasses. So, so now when I'm walking, I can actually see stuff across Walmart now. So now like when I'm walking the aisles, uh, and I'm looking, I won't be like all up on top of somebody trying to read their name, you know, their name badge or whatever, uh, their placard thing to try to see if that's of some some dragster that looks familiar that I've seen him or some, some asphalt guy that looks familiar and I might've seen him on TV, but I don't really want to talk to, or if it's really a dirt guy that I, that I looks familiar that I need to talk to. So, so stuff like that, I think uh, that's going to make it better for me personally, you know, is, is being able to see people. Uh, so if I'm like creeping up on you and Todd, you know, can kind of, uh, you know, testify to this too, I guess that, Sometimes you you don't recognize everybody, every single person. I think Todd actually recognizes everybody. So maybe Todd's not the greatest example, but Todd is like, Todd is kind of like the Terminator walking through there. It's like he scans people and it's like immediately information pops up. If you've seen like Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Terminator, it's like immediately he scans people's faces and he knows like stats and where they're from and, and where they usually race. Todd knows all this stuff. Whereas me, I have to really get, get up. I'm like some kind of old broke down version of the, I have to get up on top of somebody's like, Hey, uh, did you race it? Like, you know, out in Iowa somewhere. So, you know, the glasses are going to help me out, out there. So if I'm creeping up on you, don't, don't get freaked out. I'm just trying to figure out who you are to ask a question. So uh, I do have a couple of people that I'm, you know, that I'm interested in talking to. I'm not going to reveal them right now uh, because that would be foolish. Uh, but I do kind of plan ahead when I go just because I'm like, I think I want to try to track down this guy and ask him a question. This guy and ask him a question. And then whoever else you ask uh, meet along the way is just, you know, kind of gravy. Uh, it is a long day. You know, I said that in fast, uh, fast talk. It's a long day. You got to wear good shoes and, I'm trying to decide which which pair of my vans I'm going to bring because you you got to be prepared, uh, and uh, but as far as like 
announcements and stuff. I agree with, you know, Todd, I don't see anything huge this year. Like I remember like two years ago, I think was it the, the, uh, uh, Tim McCready and Bilstein partnership, you know, that deal, uh, was announced up there and they had the big car unveiling. And I, I remember, uh, see what the dry Dean and Bloomquist and Madden might even been part of that at the time. I don't know. I just can't remember, but, uh, you know, Bloomquist or dry Dean coming on to sponsors, Scott, you know, full-time. So I, I don't know of any huge announcements like that that are coming, but uh, uh, I could assure you that if something like that happens, that, that we will, we will hopefully, we'll hopefully be on top of it and be able to, to bring that to you through, through some, some text and some photos and, and from our video side as well. So it, uh, and I'm anxious to see who shows up. Yeah, it should be uh, the one thing you just mentioned there is wear comfortable shoes if you're going. Definitely uh, uh, a strong recommendation on that one. Uh, Kevin, anything you know of coming out or you have an eye on it or you're not going to be there, but anything you'll be watching uh, to come out of PRI this this weekend? Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a weird where you don't you haven't really had any inklings of uh, of things going on. There hasn't been a huge silly season, uh, you know. I guess there was uh, you know Josh Richards uh, the announcement this couple of days ago that Josh will be driving for uh, the teammate to Boom Briggs. Uh, they haven't announced what series they'll be running yet, so maybe that could be something. Uh, you know, a little clarification there, more details of that of that deal. But uh, it's it, 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 what I haven't been to personally to the PRI since it was at Orlando and I'd been there before when it was in Columbus, Ohio also. Uh, and all the times when I went, it was always, uh, yeah, I remember everybody that, that was like Todd had mentioned, that's kind of when the schedules came out for the series a lot of times. And that's the first time that a lot of guys would check out a schedule. You know, they'd get that, they'd want to get to that, you know, world racing group or, uh, you know, booth to, to get that piece of paper and look over that schedule. And I would, I always remember people kind of like looking at that man. Oh, this is what we're going to, oh, what do we think? And yet you get that immediate reaction from guys of like, well, what do, what do you think? How do you think? What do you I think it's come out? But I mean, that's, uh, from, uh, schedules are coming out much earlier now. Uh, so you don't have that. So you kind of, you kind of lose a little luster there, I guess, in, in one respect. And, but I know uh, everybody. Uh, everybody will have probably have a good time at at, uh, at PRI. The the after hours it always seems there's always that's when more it seems like more crazy stuff happens. You always hear some sort of story about uh, everybody uh, having some fun after after the show closes because you know, show show does close fairly early and people going out and headed over to the piano bar or or something. You know, going you know somebody hopefully nobody gets punched or anything. No fights break out because that stuff's kind of happened too. But uh, it, it will be interesting also to see how many people do show up. You know, because uh, have they has there been so much racing this year where they want a weekend off? And they realize, hey, you know, last year we didn't miss not going to PRI, so let's 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 use this as a weekend off instead. But uh, but we'll see. I'm sure there'll still be plenty of people uh, people there because there's a lot of a lot of stuff to see at PRI. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you mentioned mentioned the Boom uh, Briggs and Josh Richards news, and that you know used to, that was the kind of news you'd get at PRI, and now Boom was adamant about you know very like wanted to get that news out there sooner. Like I mean, it just shows the along with the schedules coming out sooner, how things have kind of changed where it's not, you know, guys just aren't waiting to release that news at PRI like they used to, um, you know, for whatever reason. So anyway, it's just an interesting aspect. But one thing I'll say, if you are going to PRI and if you're a racer listening to this, uh, check out the content creator stage uh, at PRI. It's um, I think it's something really cool that 
the folks at PRI are doing where they're kind of bringing in uh, folks who do the content creation stuff. Um, you know, not not just like YouTubers, influencers, but that, you know, for, for that can benefit tracks and drivers as well. You know, how to to make content, get content out there and kind of, you know, grow your audience, grow your fan base. Um, you know, if, if you're a track, probably you're going to get some uh, info on how to, you know, reach new fans and stuff like that. And I think it's, it's really, from what I understand, designed to be more educational. Uh, so if you're a racer, uh, you know, racetrack promoter, owner, series promoter, or whatever, I definitely suggest checking that out while you're up there, seeing if you can uh, maybe glean some info of how to, you know, get more content out there and promote yourself uh, in this digital age that we live in. Um, so yeah, I guess that's going to do it for this week's episode. Other than as we finish up every week, we'll finish up with uh, one more thing. Um, this week, I'll have Robert go first. Robert, you want to go first? One more thing, just uh, as, as always, something you noticed from the past week, news item, not a whole lot of results out there, maybe something from the Dome uh, or something we're looking forward to. One more thing to finish it up. What you got, Robert? Uh, honestly, I'm just, my one more thing is, is I'm, I'm looking forward to having about uh, two to three weeks of no racing here, uh, you know, coming up, we got the, the PRI and then, um, um, a couple of off weeks and of course, Christmas. And then, uh, weather, weather permitting, uh, our next race for my brother and I is, uh, will be at uh, 411 motor speedway for the hangover. Uh, uh, that's a weather permitting and spouse permitting because the hangover this year is going to actually be on, uh new year's eve and new year's day so with the, i think the super late model race uh on new year's day which is a saturday so weather permitting and if your spouse will permit you to let get out the house you know take a couple of weeks off and then plan on coming to to see more knoxville tennessee area right there for for the the first i guess really the first race of 2022 new year's day yeah, what a way to kick it off. Um, speaking of the, the spousal approval, I, that was my brothers and I briefly discussed Joseph going to that race, and we did not get the approval from the, the spouses. So, um, yeah, that's uh, know how that goes. <laughs> anyway, uh, Kevin, what you got for one more thing? Well, on Saturday night after the race was over uh, at the Dome, I had a fan come up to me at uh, I was kind of think I was over by Gordy Gundecker's and uh, and Bob Gardner's haulers and. Uh, he came up, a guy from uh, Farley, Iowa, uh, his name's Dylan Massey. He uh, told me, he just said how much he likes listening to our Dirt Reporters podcast each week. You know, that's always, uh, uh, that's always good to hear that people are listening. He says, listens to it, you know, I think he said going to work. And uh, so I, th- I thought that was pretty cool to have him come up and say hi. And, and, and uh, he goes, I, I want to get, can you, I want to, I want to, can I get on the show? I mean, I mentioned my name on the show. He was kind of kidding. Well, here, Dylan, I'm mentioning your name on the show here at the end. And, and what he also has a claim to fame there, too. He was going over to Gordy's uh, trailer to shotgun a beer. I guess this is a little thing that he does with Gordy. And they shotgun beers together after the race. You know, they did the little thing, you know, you know, cut the can open and just shove that, you know, chug that beer down. And and, uh, and Dylan, I could say he won. He beat Gordy. He was faster than Gordy. Uh, and it was pretty impressive because, I mean, I, whew, man, that. I'd have been puking right there, but I mean, he sucked that beer down within, uh, I mean, it's like two seconds. I mean, it was, that was it, maybe two seconds and, uh, Gordy couldn't even beat him. So, you know, uh, good job to Dylan. Keep on listening to you. I figured we'd give you a shout out. There you go. I like it. A shout out for one more thing. Good deal. Todd, what about you? What you got? Yeah, I was sorry to hear about the 
passing of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan photographer Steve Datema at 64, apparently died of COVID-related issues. And um, Steve, Steve was a good guy. I really kind of got to know him when I was working at National Bird Digest. I think he chewed mostly, maybe even more on asphalt years before that for the late model Digest folks. Uh, and I actually probably didn't run into him all that much over the years, but we certainly were in contact with him covering lots of races in Michigan and Ohio. Uh, so my thoughts to his um, racing family and friends uh, who, uh, who knew Steve. He was a good guy, and I hated to hear that news. Yeah, certainly sad to hear that, and uh, thoughts with all the folks, um, family, friends around uh, around there. Um, I'll finish up by saying uh, kind of some news for me that uh, this will be my last episode on the Dirt Reporters podcast uh, and uh, finished up my last event with Dirt on Dirt uh, this past week. And I say last, you never know. I, this, um, basically, I'm, I'm leaving to go work for, with my brothers full time with the Hunt the Front stuff. Um, and, uh, you never know, this was my second stint with dirt on dirt. So I, you I know, mean, who knows, maybe I'll be back in the future. Um, but yeah, that next season, uh, I plan on doing more of the racing with my brothers and, and being around and being a part of that, the, the YouTube channel. If you're, if you're not familiar with that by now, check it out, hunt the front, um, on YouTube and social media, all that. We like to have a little fun and bring, uh, fans behind the scenes of what it's like to be a, a race team. So I'll be a part of that still. Thankfully, we'll get to see most of these guys uh, at events throughout the year. Hopefully, so it won't be won't be uh, long gone, but just just gone from the, the podcast and DOD. But uh, it's been fun. Um, yeah. I hope the podcast continues. Todd, you guys going to keep it going? Yeah, we are. And I just wanted to thank you for for all your work with with there on dirt on both your stints, but uh, especially the second stint, and particularly with the podcast. It's been a lot of fun and. Uh, uh, thanks for helping us get it off the ground, and best of luck to you guys at, at Huff the Front. Maybe, maybe if we uh, have a guest now and again, we might consider having you back, and uh, we'll save some really hard questions for you. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say I, we kind of we never that, yes. we never had any guests <laughs> on the show, and uh, you know, but but hopefully we can make an exception, you know, so I can come back every every now and then. But it's been it's been fun. It's been cool, kind of just sitting getting to sit here and talk with you guys. Uh, about racing hopefully uh folks have enjoyed it and hopefully like i said it continues on and and things go well but uh certainly going to miss it and uh look forward to uh seeing uh seeing you guys at the races uh different places next year and, and beyond so uh i guess that's going to do it we appreciate uh y'all listening i'm assuming there'll be an episode next week like normal so don't just because i'm leaving don't not come back it'll be in your podcast app or on dirt on dirt uh check it out until then have a great week 